0: WMQA Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grob,
1: And I'm Matt Lasiewicz, and this week's guests are the creative team behind Dead Dreams Lucid Chronicles, now funding on Zoop, Brittany Matter and Dale Ogden. Welcome!
2: Thank you. Hi, thanks so much for having us.
0: So uh,
1: what are some of the first comics
0: that you remember, either of you remembers reading? Uh, Brittany, why don't we start with you?
3: Oh, man. Okay. So I first started reading newspaper comics, um, Garfield, and anything in the newspaper, really. I think I read it all. And first sequential comic would have to be, oh, I can't actually remember if it was Watchmen or Batman along Halloween. Mm.
1: Mm. Jumping into the deep end. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, And I was like, I, ha- I have to be involved in this. <laughs> um, so for me, uh, I probably got my start with newspaper comics, too. I definitely remember my dad having a um, whole book of Gary Larson's The Far Side comics, which it's good classic stuff. Um, but if we're talking about the first comics that I actually like sought out and picked up for myself, Uh, I would have to say probably my earliest one was one of the many volumes of uh, Sailor Moon by Naoko Takeuchi that I could pick up at Borders, I think, as a kid. Ah, Borders. uh, Borders. Yeah, I was that like little goth kid who was like sitting on the floor in the manga section, like just reading without buying anything.
1: Um, As a longtime (laughs) Borders employee, I remember Remember you well,
2: <laughs> no, I know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was definitely I was definitely one of those kids. Um, but yeah, yeah, probably Sailor Moon was the first one. Um, I know that I still have a very old Pokemon manga as well from around that time when I was, you know, throwing all of my all of my money into buying ten dollar manga volumes. Um, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those are probably those are probably my first two like earliest, earliest comics.
0: Okay. Uh, now, uh, I, I'll, I'll ask this just because it's the weekend that it came out and it's what people are talking about. Uh, have have both of you seen the Batman yet, or uh, should we keep this a spoiler free zone?
2: Spoiler free for me. Yeah, okay. I haven't seen it yet. I don't care about spoilers, but uh, okay. I Same. will not have anything per- like particularly productive to contribute because I haven't seen it yet.
0: (laughs) Okay, Matt. So you're in the room with three people who haven't seen it yet.
1: (laughs) I will say nothing. Okay. All right. (laughs) I I, I, even if you don't care to be care about being spoiled, I I'm a person who avoids spoilers at most costs, so I will not spoil it for anyone else. Fair enough.
0: (laughs) Wise man. Uh, So uh, in keeping with uh, the material that we're gonna be talking uh, about tonight, what is a recent memorable dream that you had?
3: (laughs) Uh, I'll go first. It's terrible, (laughs) Uh, so be forewarned. And I I know where it came from, so I can give you some background. (laughs) Um, I dreamt that I had like a giant worm embedded in my foot. like the bottom, the bottom of my foot. And I had to get it out. Um, and getting it out was actually kind of easy. I just like pushed it out, but it, it, it took several times. Um, and earlier that day in my waking life, (laughs) um, my brother-in-law showed me that he's like cultivating worms, uh, for his new garden beds. Okay. Mm. All right. And, and I think that it was such a sort of visceral experience seeing all these, just this like, you know, container of mud and dirt and cardboard full of worms that it just like, I think really stuck with me and then ended up in my dreams.
2: (laughs) Oh God. Okay. So I am one of those people who I dream like every night, um, constantly. Um, and, uh, actually since you, since you said tangents are welcome, I used to keep a dream journal, uh, because I was trying to teach myself how to lucid dream. And it turns out that keeping a dream journal is part of the way that you do that because you learn to, um, uh, recognize patterns in your dreams that then if you're aware of them consciously, you can start to notice that you're dreaming. Mm -hmm. Um, so let me think like, I used to be really, really good at remembering my dreams because of it, like keeping a dream journal, the more you train your brain to prioritize remembering your dreams, like the more you can remember like every little detail. So I used to be able to write pages and pages and pages every morning about what I dreamed about. Uh Uh, I'm not near as good at it as I used to be. Um, But I think the last memorable dream that I had, um, and it was also really fucked up. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry (laughs) in (laughs) advance. More, more, fucked
0: um,
2: more fucked up than Wormtow. More fucked up than <laughs> Wormtow, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I had a dream that I was um, standing in this kind of like conference room type thing. And there were a couple of um, mirrors on the walls. And um, I don't know about anybody else. I know that this is like a documented thing, but I don't know if this is something that anybody else here has noticed. If you look at your reflection in a mirror, in a dream, it's almost always really fucked up. Like, it's almost always really spooky. Like, your brain just doesn't know, I think, how to, like, how to deal with that in the dreamscape versus looking at your real reflection. Um, So my dream was, um, I don't exactly know how it came about, um, but that I had decided that I had, like, too much eyelid. And so I was trimming my eyelids off with scissors and I didn't feel any pain or anything, but it was like, I was just like kind of standing there doing that. And then somebody else, I don't remember who might've been my roommate walked in and like was talking to me. And then that's when I sort of like turned and looked at myself in the mirror and was like oh no like and then all of a sudden then there was a bunch of blood and i had to like pick up a rag and like press it to my eye to try and like stop it and i still wasn't in any pain but like all of a sudden i sort of like had this thought of like wait this isn't right like (laughs) i should not have done this (laughs) um, yeah it was it was really really bizarre like i don't know i'm i'm lucky that like because i've spent so much time like trying to remember my dreams and like mining them for story ideas and all kinds of other fuckery um that I didn't wake up the next morning and feel really like unsettled by it or anything like I woke up and I was like huh that was weird (laughs) but that's probably like the most memorable dream I've had recently
0: okay yeah no I I've you know I've had the typical dreams about losing teeth but uh Mm. I I I haven't had to perform cosmetic surgery on myself
2: (laughs) Uh, in
0: a, in a dream actually I actually never
2: dreamed about losing teeth before. I don't think that I have. You're
3: lucky.
1: I am invariably uh, about to take an exam for a history class that I never went to. Oh, that's a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. A, that happens anytime I'm stressed out about anything. I get that. The the teeth sometimes not nowhere near as often, but it's always a hist- it's always a history class. Oh, Mine's math. That's interesting.
2: Uh, I have like recurring dreams about uh, uh, things taking place in my middle school, like my junior high, but just the layout of the building. It's never anything like that important. If I'm having stress dreams, it's actually always a con stress dream. If I have a stress dream, it's always that I'm at a comic convention. I'm set to be tabling. I don't have my merchandise. I can't find my table. When I finally find my table, it's like set in a weird place where nobody can find me. There's a bunch of stuff like all over my table already that I have to deal with. I'm like sat in a weird place where I'm like sitting on like the end of the table because there's no space for me behind the table. Like it's all kinds of like random crap like that.
0: So it's like it's like that table that like people walk by a few times and they think is empty, so they just start leaving their coats and stuff on kind there. Kind of, you-
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I finally find my table and show up, and it's got a bunch of crap on it already. Oh. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do about this? And like, usually it's like I'm late too, so like I've like missed out on con sales and stuff. It's like mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't had anywhere near as many of these dreams since lockdown started because I haven't been to cons since yeah. then, <laughs> but. Definitely. That was my recurring stress stream for a long time.
0: Well, this is, this is probably not the best way to say this, but you know, hopefully if, if we are truly coming out of this pandemic and people start feeling more comfortable attending shows again, and and you start feeling more more comfortable attending shows again, uh, that stress dream comes back, but it's a good thing because, <laughs> because I, to I, I am not worried. It's right.
2: <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I appreciate it. I am actually going to be at WonderCon this year in Anaheim. Oh, That's nice. going to be my first nice. first con, breaking the uh, breaking the old streak. Uh, I'm I've got three cons planned for the year. I'm going to be at WonderCon. I'm going to be at San Diego Comic Con, and I'm going to be at a con called YomaCon in Detroit. Very nice. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Glad to hear that. Uh, so yeah, uh, you are both here to talk about your Zoop campaign for dead dreams, the Lucy Chronicles, uh, for the listeners, I'm going to go ahead and read the, uh, the old solicit blurb looking to live out her dreams of becoming an actress. Timid Pina Axeltree takes a tonic and wakes up in a parallel world, leading a drug syndicate. Will she run back to the familiar doldrums of her reality or become a more ruthless version of herself to achieve her dreams? Uh, so what is, what is the origin of this story? When was it first conceived and all that?
3: Oh, it was first conceived when I wasn't enjoying my job. And I imagined, you know, my own dreams that I didn't pursue. And that kind of morphed into this like vendor who sold dreams, but wasn't actually living their own dream.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think that, so yeah, I think that was the origin. And it was started as a short, um, but then one of my friends and fellow copywriter colleagues started asking me questions and I had all these answers and I was like, oh, well, I guess this is not a short anymore. This is a miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> so then that person, Heather Ayers, she became my editor mm-hmm. and that's how it got started.
0: And uh, how did how did you get the, the uh, how did the whole creative team come together, you know, you've got, you've got your, your idea, you've got Heather's in the mix. Now, Mm -hmm. when when does Dalen come into the picture and everyone else?
3: Dalen didn't come into the picture until a year or two later. Um, I first started a pitch with Harry Connor, who did the first six pages of dead dreams and Ariana Maher did the Mm -hmm. lettering. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then there was a lag between the pitch and me wanting to finish issue Mm -hmm. two and just like raising the funds to, you know, pay everybody. And then Harry and Ariana got busy. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to Dalen, who I met through um, Riley Beal, who wrote Miranda and the Maelstrom. Okay. Which is a all adventures series uh, about a dimension hopping uh, girl and her shark dog noodles, <laughs> and Dalen did issue two, and that's how we met.
2: Yeah, so Brittany was editing for that for that title, um, mm. and uh, Miranda in the Maelstrom was about um, dimension hopping. Um, so every time that Miranda hopped into a new dimension via this uh, storm, this interdimensional storm called the Maelstrom, uh, Riley would bring on a new artist, and the art style would change, like really really abruptly um, to signify her passing into the next uh, next dimension um, so I was the artist on issue number two
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, that was how that was how we got introduced
1: do either of you have a particular favorite parallel world story it this just came to mind because when I did see the Batman over the weekend, there was a trailer for the upcoming Everything Everywhere All at Once from A24 with Michelle Yao, which oh. is a parallel world story and I cannot wait to see this movie. And it's just like, ooh, that, that might be my new favorite parallel worlds movie and I haven't even seen it yet. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. Um, oh, there's, there are a lot. I think, oh, it's hard for me to choose. Um, my favorite doppelganger uh, story, is actually the series Orphan Black.
1: There'll be upcoming question about that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, but Parallel Worlds, that show The OA comes to mind. I think they did an excellent job um, kind of introducing the Parallel World concept and how you get there. They, I, did you did you all see it?
2: I have not seen it.
0: My, I think my wife watched the OA. I, I did not. It.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's not. I don't, it might be a spoiler, but they. Is that okay?
0: I'm not
1: going to watch away.
3: it. <laughs> okay. Well, it's how fine. they get there? How they get there is they um, like I think it's like five or six people have to dance in coordination. Hmm. And it's a specific. Um, choreography. Mm-hmm. It's very beautiful. And I highly recommend the show. <laughs> so,
1: are they going to multiple different worlds or is it one? Because they now have this idea that, you know, the the Macarena moves you into one world, the electric slide moves you
0: <laughs> into another. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It's it just, wasn't it's just like people that. at weddings just constantly warping.
3: Constantly <laughs> uh-huh, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> traveling to parallel worlds and not even noticing.
1: The Time Warp brings you into a particularly fabulous world. Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. (laughs) That'd be fun. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so for me, let's see here. Um, I actually just watched um, Jordan Peele's Us. And that's not exactly a parallel world thing, but it is like a a doppelganger thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really, really, really enjoyed that. Um, so that definitely like ranks on this list, I would say thematically. Um, I I feel like I'm the kind of person where as soon as you ask me to name something specific, I forget that I am aware of any of those things at all, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but one thing that did jump to mind actually is the um, upcoming uh, Mamoru Hosada film, which is called, I believe just called Bell. And it's um, specifically about um this sort of like online world um where people have their like avatars and so it's about this sort of like like average girl who is like a celebrity in this like online space um but then it's like also a retelling of beauty and the beast i believe uh, so that looks really intriguing and i feel like just by the previews i can already
1: tell i'm going to love it <laughs> So you just mentioned Orphan Black and Orphan Black is one of the favorite shows around Casa Uh So favorite Sestra.
3: Oh my God. That's so, really hard. I'm bad at picking favorites.
1: <laughs> yeah, this was the, I, I just saw these two things and they both made me think of like Ooh, I just want to have an excuse to talk about parallel worlds in North and Black. So I'm going to use favorites as a jumping <laughs> off point for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
3: I'll do it. Um, I think, man, I think I love Helena. Um, but also Tatiana Maslany is just incredible at, at performing everyone. So it's hard not to love every single banner that she plays.
1: From, you know, Sarah all the way down to the ones who appear for you know one scene. They're all so distinct. Mm-hmm. There are times where I was watching the show and I would honestly forget it was one actor playing all those yeah. roles.
2: Yeah, it's just amazing.
3: Yeah, it was a feat.
1: So, so t- turning the, the, out of the skid and back into the actual book, or at least <laughs> a little closer, I um, would posit
0: we have not we have not skidded yet. <laughs> no, we're in, in the theme here.
2: <laughs> I think we're doing, I think we're doing okay.
1: Uh, have, so the, the concept as we heard is that you know you can purchase a dream.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are there have you, th- have you sat back and thought, boy, what kind of what would the dream that I would want to be able to experience that I haven't or a dream you'd like to purchase? Ooh.
3: I mean, I think I would, I would want to dream where I could be in a movie that I know. Oh,
2: okay. That's So I could
3: be a part of that, that world, um, and those characters. And, you know, I'd, I'd already understand, you know, the rules of that world, you mm-hmm. know, like, mm-hmm. like the matrix, for example, or even Harry Potter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am, uh, just sort of like a naturally stressed out person. So the idea of inhabiting some other thing that is not mine that I haven't gotten a handle on uh, stresses me out. So I think if I was going to purchase a dream, I would want to. I would want to have a dream where I'm like, like a lizard basking on a rock or something. You know, <laughs> where I'm just like yeah. not even a person with no person concerns. I just want to like, I just want to like lick my eyeball and vibe. You know. <laughs> <laughs> very relaxing. It does. It does. That's like, that's sort of my thought is that, you know, the idea of taking on somebody else's persona sounds very stressful to me, but if I could just like become not a person for a little bit, I would definitely pay for that.
0: I'm putting, I'm putting this on, on audio so that future me who is editing this episode hears me say this, uh, lick my eyeball and vibe is a very good episode title. (laughs) <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> indeed i'm
2: happy happy to provide
1: that is a good call i had to remember to make those notes as i record
3: because I'm, i always
1: am struggling with that
2: i'm moonlight as a comedian so <laughs> Not i believe, really. i believe but... you
0: well thank you thank you
2: i like to think that i'm funny but i don't know you so are, you are. i make myself laugh at least that's what matters
0: <laughs> so far so good here i'll say that
2: thanks
1: so, so we're gonna we're gonna bring this down from all that joy for for a minute because you know. <laughs> um so Brittany, uh, you're very upfront in the press release and press for this book that it it's gonna deal with abuse, and that's something you're drawing from your own past. Mm-hmm. Is producing this cathartic or more something you've been processing for so long you've pushed sort of beyond your own catharsis and it's something you feel a desire or need to deal with and put out there so others know they're not alone or maybe a little bit of both?
3: Yeah, definitely both. Um, I would say that in the beginning when I started writing these characters in this story, it was definitely cathartic and I felt like I was finally dealing with some of my trauma, just kind of facing it and just like getting it out on paper and releasing it, that act was really helpful. Um, and yeah, just kind of bringing attention to it to help other people and be like, you know, some of us have trauma and and there are healthy ways to deal with it. Um, and it could take a long time, but that's okay. There's there are support systems out there, which is really great. Like this, There's- oh, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, there's really nothing like making a comic about something. Like when you're dealing with emotions, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. really there's nothing quite like uh, getting it down on paper uh, in in that specific medium. Um, Dead dreams obviously wasn't my wasn't my brainchild, wasn't my baby. I came on a little bit later, but I have also made comics about abuse, um, and there is something very uh, powerfully cathartic and. Uh, very uncomfortable about doing it, but, um, mm-hmm. also very worthwhile.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I have to second that it can be very uncomfortable, even bringing light to it, you know, on the campaign page or in the press release was hard for me to do. Oh yeah. Um, just unsure, I guess, of people's reactions and, um, so far the reactions have been positive, which is nice. Good.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. If they weren't, you would have to tell me and then I could go beat them up for you. <laughs> Thanks. I am okay. I'm past the point now where, like, you know, um, I, I guess I don't know if you guys are um, all that familiar with my other work. Um, I wouldn't expect you to be. I'm just a, just a small guy in a large comics world. Um, but uh, just recently I got done crowdfunding Um, a book called Whiff Wolf, Mm -hmm. um, which is also about abuse. Um, And, you know, it's one of those things where um, you, you feel very naked to explore these themes like publicly and to, um, you know, like craft a story that essentially sort of invites people into uh, what you've experienced in some ways, even just like admitting that you've experienced it can be very uncomfortable and shameful. Um, and we are currently in like living in, a, in an internet culture that sort of takes everything in bad faith already. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that event- like, it- eventually you do just sort of have to like steal yourself and think like, okay, like this is not going to resonate. My story is not going to resonate with everybody because my story isn't everyone's story, but this will touch the people that it needs to touch. Like those people will see it, will engage with it, will connect to it. Um, so if anybody takes you in bad faith, Brittany, just like have them turn their location on and I'll go talk to them.
3: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I appreciate the support
0: so so we've established dalen uh comedian uh of the pair and also the muscle of, of yes. the pair
2: oh absolutely um, for sure i'm here to throw hands
0: uh, <laughs> uh ca- catch dalen at wondercon and outside uh yes
2: absolutely oh my god are you kidding me can you imagine if like you could just like like imagine like like tinder but for a mortal enemy just like if you see this person like attack them on sight just like just like get into it with them like it's like it's like fight club but better yeah (laughs) because you can talk about it
1: (laughs) it's like being a cat yeah everything's a mortal enemy
2: absolutely Mm -hmm. that's how i'm trying to be out right if I can't be if I can't be a lizard on a rock licking my eyeball, the next best thing is a cat, and I'm here to pick fights with everyone and everything. <laughs> uh,
0: I do like this app where you swipe right on the person you want to beat the crap out of.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay. Here I am it. <laughs> okay. uh. So uh, I'm sorry, there's, there's no transition here. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> 10, 10% of the proceeds from this campaign goes to Kathy's Legacy Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did this philanthropy arm of the campaign enter the enter the plan?
3: I think I had had the idea a long time ago and, it, and I think it, before we launched, um, maybe like a month and a half before, I remembered that that was something that I wanted to prioritize and kind of figure out. And so I, I honestly wasn't sure what foundation to donate to. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I Google searched, you know, top foundations that help survivors of domestic violence. And Kathy's legacy was among the list of like top nine. And as I read about them, um, I found out that they, they support mainly children and pets impacted by domestic violence. Um, but they also have created a lot, uh, or at least helped establish a law in California to protect, protect victims of domestic violence, um, which is pretty incredible that they, they did that you know work on the ground and they, were, they became activists because they themselves lost their loved one, Kathy Scarbarth, who was, who was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. So gosh, yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, but they've been doing this work for 10 years. And, um, I think part of their motto was to inspire dreams. And I think that just really
0: hit
2: home. Mm -hmm. So very fitting for this campaign. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's it's, it's absolutely great that you're doing that. Um, So uh, I I was curious, you know, obviously we arranged this uh, through Zoop. Uh, How did you end up, uh, you know, how how did Dead Dreams end up, uh, you know, getting crowdfunded uh, going through Zoop?
3: Yeah, I was kind of looking for maybe something else outside of Kickstarter. I'd been working with with campaigns on Kickstarter for a while and um, there was that whole... Uh, blockchain, blockchain announcement. Yeah. And I was like, maybe maybe there's something else out there that I'm just not aware of, you know, besides like Indiegogo and GoFundMe. Um, and then Zoop came up and uh, they opened up their submission. So I thought I'd try. And they offered to help with fulfillment and shipping and marketing. So that was something I hadn't seen before. kickstarter Mm. you know or they have this like hands-on um aspect and so i couldn't really say no
0: (laughs) no zoops definitely had some some good campaigns going and then you know the the news just came out like last week they're going to be doing the fulfillment for jonathan hickman's Substack uh comics so
2: oh awesome right yeah
0: yeah no they're 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 definitely uh have in a moment and i'm sure the whole kickstarter thing is is i mean we saw what iron circus did last week you know they're the they mm-hmm. people are people are looking for alternatives
2: absolutely mm-hmm. um yeah. i think that like especially something not to overlook about zoop is just that like so many creatives are and i'm calling myself out when i say this too like they're really scatterbrained so like that mm-hmm. like extra help with marketing and uh like fulfillment and distribution and stuff, like I think that Zoopstar is going to rise very rapidly because Mm -hmm. that is something you do not get with other crowdfunding sites. And uh, so I think for creators, that's going to be super, super appealing. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, what is is something in the process of making this book uh, that has surprised you about working with each other?
3: think it's just seeing how other people interpret, you know, my words on paper mm-hmm. and, and how um, they add their own creative brain power to make new things together. Mm-hmm. The, the whole like collaborative process, process I think mm-hmm. really did surprise me. Um, Cause I think this was actually the first comic that I, Made technically not published. Obviously, it's trying to get it published. Um, mm-hmm. But the the other ones that I've made with other collaborators happened after this one started. So,
2: yeah, yeah. This one was very much sort of like your your first first baby. Yeah. Uh, I had a first, I had a painting mm-hmm. teacher who um, he would describe um painting specifically because it was a painting class um but mm-hmm. he would describe it like making pancakes and um the 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 analogy that he always used was that you know like the first pancake that you pour into the skillet is always going to be like kind of stupid and misshapen <laughs> and like, you're like you're kind of like you're kind of like you're kind of like getting your your pancake bearings back under you again mm-hmm. um, and so like the idea of uh, a first pancake moment has always always stuck with me um and so dead dreams I think is uh is, is your first pancake moment although like I want like I that's not to say that it's 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 uh misshapen or, or mm-hmm. weird by any means but it is like it is the project like your first one is always the one that you learn the most from mm-hmm. um, yeah, which is definitely. cool uh I think what surprised me the most about working with Brittany was that um like just to, just to compare her, her writing style and her writing sensibilities with her editorials and because it was a very different experience or a very different book, I should say, than working on Miranda and the Maelstrom where we met and she edited, you know, it's like you're working with an entirely different voice, um, <laughs> you know, different, different interests, different focuses, um, every, like I've worked, with, I've worked with a number of writers at this point and every single writer does it differently. Um, mm-hmm. And that's always really interesting to see, you know, like who, who prioritizes what, who, who is drawn in by certain themes, who notices the subtext in their work and who just kind of like naturally makes it without necessarily examining it too closely. Like it's very, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. Um, so that was, that was cool. It was a cool experience to compare.
0: So uh, among the 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 other people involved in the making of this book, uh, you've got a variant cover from Friend of the show, Liana Kangas. Uh, I do not have an associated question here, uh, just praise because <laughs> Liana is an awesome human being and more people should be paying them her uh, to do to do stuff.
2: <laughs> Agree,
3: Liana's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Liana's fantastic. Uh, they've released a, a TikTok of their uh, cover process today
0: Ooh.
3: Uh, so dead dreams is now on tiktok and <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool um I, I like how i appreciate how you can pair music with you know whatever you're posting on tiktok um, but mm-hmm. it's nice to see music with dead dreams art so that was so nice Nice yeah, thing to have in today. Like <laughs> a little promotional
0: music video, <laughs>
3: <laughs> right? And then it's like, you know, I don't know, fifteen seconds or something. Mm-hmm.
2: I didn't even think about that, but that's super nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you do you enjoy the merch pl- planning for a campaign, like the stuff that goes along with it, like the the pins and the bookmarks and the what have you?
2: I do. Yeah. I don't know if you. I don't okay. know if you're asking me specifically. I love that shit. I, right. I live for that. I think in another life, I was definitely a product designer. Um, it's There's something really, really satisfying about uh, planning out uh, a pin or a bookmark or, you know, whatever other sort of like little goodies you decide to include and, you know, taking that from a concept all the way to a finished product that looks like something you could carry in a store for instance like I love I love making like backing cards for things I like uh you know thinking all the way through on that stuff so in that, that sense uh crowdfunding stuff has been right up my alley because it gives me the chance to uh make up a bunch of cool stuff that I otherwise wouldn't have the chance to wouldn't have the chance to do except out of my own pocket
0: excellent
3: yeah and- I'm with I'm with Dalen um I was actually really excited to work with dalen on merch for this campaign
2: i love making merch i mean the whole the
3: whole reason we're doing this is
0: for the enamel pin i mean let's be honest <laughs> yeah yeah
2: i love enamel pins i am i'm a pin fiend
0: uh 60 of all crowdfunded comics exist just so crap uh, enamel pins could be made
2: <laughs> honestly i you know like i would i would believe that if somebody came to me with that, yeah. with that factoid and really just like <laughs> looked me in the eyes and tried to sell it to me. I would be like, I feel like I know enough about this that you're probably wrong. But at the same time, like emotionally, it feels right. It mm-hmm. feels, feels like
0: you're correct.
2: Because everybody loves enamel pins. <laughs> yeah,
0: you really can't say you're supporting a comic until there's a small piece of it affixed to your book bag or denim jacket. That's
2: mm-hmm. true. Or corkboard.
0: Or corkboard, that's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And then how crazy is it that you have to put a disclaimer on your page saying don't make NFTs of our shit?
3: It's, uh, it is. It's, uh, it's not something <sighs> I thought about um, until the portrait commissions artist, Rio Burton,
0: mm-hmm.
3: came on to the team and, and mentioned it and how her, her friends who do portrait commissions
2: mm-hmm.
3: experienced that already that oh their portrait gosh. commissions were being turned into nfts and i was like oh, oh well, then we need to just apply this to the whole campaign and just you know make sure it's very clear that this is not what we support and this yeah is not, we don't want to see this art as that
2: i'm super glad that you put the disclaimer on because um actually somebody took the url to the whiffle of kickstarter page and minted it like what? i know it was like I was like this is like this whole book is like a love letter to like the earth like can we maybe not like can we maybe not do something that runs like entirely antithetical to like the yeah like the themes of the book and my work like come on yeah but yeah people just like they don't even they don't even ask for permission half the time more than half the time it's so icky
0: you know for an industry that Whose mortal enemy is right-click save as? They sh- they sure do like to
1: use that on other people. Wow. Yeah, okay Okay. Sure,
2: like to right-click save as.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right-click save as save to giant obnoxious server that destroys the universe.
3: Yeah. Can we just get rid of the servers? Like maybe that's is that the origin point?
1: Or no. Oh, it's, it's gonna like- happen <laughs> someday. Some hacker is just gonna be good enough to get past the the whatever and is going to just bring down the servers that control the chains for Bitcoin or for all these NFTs and it's just going to be gone.
2: Shit, you don't even need a hacker. Just tell me where they're located and I'll walk in (laughs) with (laughs) a (laughs) magnet.
0: I I, I hate, I I mean all these hackers that are at work right now, you know uh, stymie, stymie, trying to stymie Russia, you know when this is, they're going to need something to do later. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. yeah. We need Mr. Robot to come in here.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so is there a, a timetable or for Dead Dreams Part 2 or you just trying to get past, you know, th- this <laughs> part of the campaign right now?
3: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Definitely trying to get number one funded uh, with, you know, it's the dream to continue the series. So we'll see. Uh,
1: so Brittany, this is, is possibly the most basic AF question, but it's one I'm always curious about. How does being an editor affect you as a writer and vice versa?
3: Um, I think it makes me more anal <laughs> and like not, not as creative sometimes because I'm like, oh, my God, the format, the format, <laughs> like everything. Uh, but I do, you know, have an editor to help me with other things like, you know, developmental and copy editing mm-hmm. items. And So, yeah, I think it, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Along those same lines, you know, you, you've written for for CBR and, and for, you know, Marvel.com and that stuff. Uh, you know, do you, f- having that in your background, do you feel better positioned to know how to get a comic site's attention uh on your stuff. I mean, to be fair, we're all talking. So obviously you got ours, but
3: yeah. Uh you know, I think it was kind of actually trial and error um getting attention from outlets like yourself um working on other other people's mm-hmm. Kickstarter books. Um, and just sending emails and writing other press releases. And I had James B Emmett, um, write our press release. And so that was a big, like bringing James on was something I felt like it was absolutely necessary because like I had been doing it, but I felt like I needed some professional advice Mm -hmm. and maybe me doing it by myself was going to be just like too much on my plate. Um, so James has been amazing at, at that. And also Zoop has been doing marketing and reaching out to outlets as well. And so that's been incredibly helpful. I'm probably like doing double duty here, having
0: <laughs> a lot of
3: <laughs> marketing people, but I'm very appreciative and it allows us to talk to you guys. So
0: that is true. Jordan does have our number.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, another, another important editor brain question. And and, yeah, 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 Yeah. knows where I'm going. Uh Where where do you stand on the Oxford comma?
3: Oh, I appreciate it. (laughs) I use it. I'm also supposed to use it in most of my work. So I'm used to it.
1: It's one for me.
0: (laughs) That's fair. Listen, I'm not trying to start a a capital D discourse here.
1: (laughs) Right. This is between you and Will, the the co-host of my other podcast, who is virulently anti-Oxford comma we have had this argument on on the air. I think it's actually been trimmed out of the podcast, but it has happened.
0: Yeah, that's content for me. (laughs) (laughs) This is my hole. It was made for me. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, anyway, in this house, we follow AP style. But anyway, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, you, you do wear a lot of hats. You're a writer, you're an editor, you know, you're doing editorial consulting, uh, you, you know, you've got your own Substack where you're interviewing creators. What What is the thing that people should know about you that has nothing to do with comics?
3: I can can food. Um, <laughs> very cool. Useful. Can, Great. Yes. Very useful in Apocalypse and, and just in general. Um, actually, I put it on my resume once that, you know, in an apocalypse, I can I can, can food. Um,
0: Wow. Please hire me for your bunker.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I also have a lot of cookbooks and that helps um, with canning and, and everything else, but I do really enjoy cooking.
0: That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you actually mentioned this before, uh, which was nice, but I wanted, I did want to make sure that we got in some talk about Wiff Wolf, which yeah, uh oh, your absolutely. folklore graphic novella with uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Uh, Matt, this is is some right-up-your-alley content, so I'm going to let you read this solicit blurb.
1: An original folklore myth telling the story of Charity Bjorn's daughter, a young woman in 1860s Montana who spends her days in the woods with her closest friend, a local wolf she calls Silver Slash. Charity is on the precipice of marriage to the handsomest man in her small village, the mercurial but yet beloved Paul Skeld. But as her husband isolates her from Silver Slash, she begins to feel a call to the wilds, for it is there that her true destiny awaits. Whiff Wolf is the harrowing tale of a woman forcibly separated from that which makes her feel alive, a reinterpretation of the classic werewolf myth and the origin story of a new goddess.
2: Ah. Love that blurb! I didn't write that blurb. I think uh, Jackson did, and I just love it every time I hear it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very so captivating. Uh, <laughs> how, how did you get involved with this project?
2: Um, so actually, um, fun fact about this project is that I am the originator of it. Oh, um, rocking! Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I am a I am a writer as well as an artist. Um, but uh, I don't have any I don't have any professional uh professionally built like published writing credits as of yet um but uh basically what happened um was that I met uh Jack Lansing at WonderCon in 2016 I think um it was the one year that it was at the LA Convention Center instead of uh in Anaheim Mm -hmm. and um basically to make a uh long story a little bit shorter but not that much shorter um he introduced me to colin in the hopes that we could work on a specific short comic that they had written together and um that short comic ended up falling through but we still wanted to work together um so i brought them the original piece of concept art of the whiff wolf and then just sort of like uh i just sort of like 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 dumped all my weird emotional shit on them and was like, Hey, can we make something out of this? <laughs> um, Cause uh, you know, dead dreams is, is Brittany's abuse story. With wolf, wolf is mine.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so it was with wolf, wolf was born from a lot of uh, a lot of uh, sending each other pictures of wolves and also sitting down and having like really intense, like serious uncomfortable conversations about uh, relationship abuse mm-hmm. and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a really special book. I'm super, super excited to be uh, a part of it and super excited to have uh, Jackson and Colin along for the ride with me because uh, they're, they're two dear friends.
0: That's great. So uh, this started out, uh, Wiffle started out as a Kickstarter. Were you surprised A, when the campaign was fully funded in like a few hours and B, when it got picked up by Vault for distribution?
2: Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> um, I definitely um, like. I I wouldn't call myself somebody who is unconfident in their own work. You know, like I I I care a lot about what I do and what um, you know, like the it just the sort of the skill skill comes with that. You know, when you love what you do and you're willing to sit there and keep doing it, even when it doesn't turn out right, and it's just like a like a compulsion that comes back again and again, something you can't resist, you know, art is that for me. So I know that I am a skilled artist. Um, but even so, you know, like I have imposter syndrome and sitting down and launching that Kickstarter was the most nerve wracking thing I'd ever done. Um, because I really did feel like it was the test of like, can my art carry something this lofty and to discover that it could was really, really incredible. Like, um, with Wolf went further than I, could have possibly even conceived of um and that's not a knock against you know like my skill or jackson's skill or colin's skill you know i knew we came together and made like a really great book but to see that it resonated with people um even without having to like be in their hands yet was just like i i can't even describe it like with wolf already it's it's the book I'm currently still drawing right now. And it has been, the whole thing has been such a formative experience for me personally and professionally.
0: That's great. Uh, How, how far are you along on, uh, on drawing?
2: I'm currently coloring it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have uh, the next two weeks after this weekend, like, off technically from my day job. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm going to sit down and work on Whiff Wolf every single day for like as many hours a day as I possibly can. Um, so, you know, uh, luck luck holding, I might be done with it by the end of the month. Um, these pages are super, super labor intensive mm-hmm. uh, compared to what I'm usually doing comics wise. Uh, every page gets a color pass and then also like a paint over pass. where I'm sitting there and like, yeah, yeah. This book is like uh, a very, very labor intensive. It's a huge labor of love. Um, But even so, like, you know, I feel like uh, it's, it's coming along. I'm really excited.
3: That's great. Uh, I got an early look at it and it's just stunning. Thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed it immensely. and, And my husband came up behind me while I was reading it and he was like, Oh my god! What are
2: you
1: reading? Really-
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> that makes me feel
1: really good.
2: Thank you. That's the that's the that's the response I want to evoke in just about everyone um, yeah. with this book. <laughs> that's yeah. my goal. Um, it worked. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, who are who are some of the artists that you uh, you jam on personally? Me. Yeah. Uh,
2: so. Um. I guess I hope Becky Clunan doesn't listen to this podcast because she owns me. Like, well, <laughs> we've had her on the
1: show. <laughs> oh. Fuck, fuck. <laughs> yeah,
2: Becky Clunan. I think she probably knows this at this point because I'm definitely like that, like awkward person, like standing around the corner and like shyly, like looking at her at cons. Um, she's like my hero. I love her work so much. Um, she just does that like super satisfying, good, good goth shit that. Uh, is aspirational to me. Just in love with her work. Um, shout outs to uh, Helen Mask. Her work is just incredible. Um, I uh, really, really loved uh, Jamie McKelvey's work on The Wicked and the Divine. Um, mm-hmm. If we're talking, if we're talking comics that like inform my personal senses, like that's definitely that definitely ranks among them. Uh, Emma Rios's work on Pretty Deadly. Um, mm-hmm. That specifically, I think, is something that people will see a lot of in Whiff Wolf if they know to look for it. Um, let me think. Who else? Who else just really, like, knocks my socks off? I mean, Fiona Staples. That one feels like sort of a sort of an obvious answer because her work is just so great. I mm-hmm. um, me think uh, Mel Gilman, their work is uh, really, really really wonderful um stylistically it's really different than some of the other stuff that I mentioned here um but they are a writer and an artist and um their their work is just like so incredibly thoughtful and uh uh evocative Mm -hmm. poignant I think like at a it's just it's really beautiful it it makes me feel things in my soul that are difficult to put into words (laughs) and that's the kind of feelings that I also want to inspire in other people so
0: so uh we, we asked Brittany this question but we'll ask you the same uh what is the thing that we should know about you that has nothing to do with comics
2: uh I mean I feel like this is something that everybody who follows me on social media knows now but I have a pet python so that's cool
0: you know what okay That's a nice segue <laughs> this is a perfect segue into the into the next uh, question as we slide into the cool down here uh dale and you already started so we will start with you but we would love to know about your respective pets
2: oh yes absolutely um okay so i have a i have a white-lipped python uh his name is dagger um he's a good boy certified um <laughs> Which is only something I mentioned because uh, white lips actually have a reputation for being kind of like stinky assholes, you know, where they're real, they're real kind of bitey and rude and like not great beginner snakes. Um, but Dag is a big sweetheart. Uh, he wouldn't hurt a fly, which is uh, lovely. Um, I also have a German shepherd mix puppy. Uh, she just turned one. Her name is Shiloh.
0: Um,
2: Shiloh is half German shepherd, half demon. Um, <laughs> Because I mean, anybody who's had a puppy and raised them from like a little baby knows um, puppies Mm -hmm. are adorable, but they are also patently certifiably evil. Um, (laughs) But I love her. I love her a lot, even when she destroys my stuff. (laughs) Um, And then I also have two pet spiders. Um, I have a a Caribbean versicolor tarantula, which is also known as an Antilles pink toe. Mm. Um, They are uh, like bright blue little babies that grow into like these beautiful like blue and magenta and red adults that are very stunning wow. um they're also really docile as far as um pet tarantulas go so they're one of the kinds of tarantulas that you can actually get away with handling mm-hmm. occasionally uh i usually don't my tarantula its name is blue uh blue is still a baby so i don't know if it's boy or girl yet uh it'll take a bunch of molds to find out hmm. um but uh blue is pretty reclusive it doesn't really like to uh hang out and vibe out in the open,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, which is fine. Like that's not abnormal for tarantulas, uh, but I haven't, I don't handle blue very much because of it. I basically just open up the little enclosure and give it a, a mealworm once in a while. And then in, re- in, uh, in return, I'm occasionally graced with being able to look at a, like a tiny fraction of a blue spider butt. Uh, <laughs> and then I also have a pet uh, jumping spider it's uh, they're known as bold jumping spiders. Um, it's also uh, a little bit on the young side still. So I don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. Um, it lives in a tiny condiment cup and I feed it um, fruit flies from a fruit fly colony that we have purchased for the household because my roommate also keeps spiders. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, you, it's, it's, it's sort of a contagious hobby. It's weird. Like I, I started out as like a really big, bad arachnophobe where I like, couldn't even look at a spider without getting lightheaded. And then she started keeping spiders and just by virtue of like getting to sort of like hang out and watch them and see that their like behavior is like, like spiders don't really know what they're doing. And that makes them way less threatening. <laughs> like, like, they're just kind of like, they're just kind of like, little weird land crab dinguses. Um, <laughs> um so like that's, I, I did sort of just like get kind of, kind of pulled into the hobby. Uh, but anyway, my jumping spider, uh, its name is Jupiter. Oh, Jupiter is my best pet. Jupiter's uh, a really good eater and it never, it never destroys my stuff or backsasses me. Um, and I'm never stressed about it at all. Jupiter, if you if you want a really easy, really nice pet, jumping spiders are actually kind of really great. Uh, they have big eyes um, and really, really great vision for their size. size so actually they can recognize you. Um, so Jupiter turns around and looks at me every time I open up its little enclosure to give it a drink or, uh, or a meal. Jupiter will turn around and just be like, oh, hey, what's up? Uh, it's fun. It's cool. They make surprisingly good pets.
0: Now, do the... The spiders and the snake, are they all in like the same room or like how far apart do you have to keep all these uh, critters?
2: They're all in the same room, but they're not all in the same enclosure. Um, Everybody has their own separate space. Uh, I think that I could conceive, like if I put Blue and Jupiter into Dagger's tank with him, like everybody would probably just ignore each other. Like, I don't think that they would cause issues with each other, but I would lose Jupiter right away. Joop would just disappear uh, because Dag's got a pretty big tank Mm. Um, and I think Blue would probably try and find a place to make a web somewhere and just hide out Um, but Dagger really likes to um, he likes to go on field trips at night so he wakes up at like one or two in the morning and decides to climb all over everything he has a he has a planted pothos in his in his tank that he has just flattened into nothing it's just he just slithers over it so many times that it's not even a plant anymore. <laughs> um, so I think uh nothing would really happen except that Dag might squash them and I would lose I would I would lose Jupiter. Uh and Shiloh's not allowed to hang out with any of the other pets. Uh she she's not allowed to, she's allowed to look at the snake. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not allowed anywhere near the spiders. Uh and they all get to leave each other alone for everyone's safety. Um, I also in the household, we also have a cat, um, which is, uh, he's, I would say he's more my roommates. We, we adopted him jointly uh, because he was a street cat who lived here before we moved in,
1: Uh.
2: Um, but he like sleeps on her face at night. So I would say he's like chosen his person, Um, (laughs) but uh, his name is Petey. He's like a 10 pound little tuxedo cat. Um, and all he does is scream
0: we love him <laughs> uh, Brittany how about you
3: I don't have any pets um, but I've sort of adopted some hummingbirds oh. via my hummingbird feeder outside <laughs> oh cute <laughs> Eat. Uh, and I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks and I'm getting really worried about them Aww. but I think I think that they do eventually like Flies out. Um, but oftentimes they're these Anna's hummingbirds that come come here in the Pacific Northwest and are pretty common. They'll hang around for most of the winter. Um, my mom has a horse that oh. I visit. Cool. And he is giant. Um, he's a percheron quarter horse, so he's massive. He's Ooh. 18 hands, if you know. Uh, horse sizing. Horse I do. I <laughs> yeah. do know
2: horse measurements. That's a big ass fucking horse. <laughs> he is,
3: yeah. He is like out of this world. Um, it makes you feel like no matter your height, it just, it makes you feel small, <laughs> and, but also like not, I'm not afraid of him. He's, he's a gentle giant and, and that's his percher on side. Honestly,
2: I fun fact about me. This is another thing people don't really know about me. I used to work on a farm, and uh, my job was working with the horses. And if I have learned anything about horses, it is that, like, all horses have a set volume of evil Mm. in them. And the bigger the horse is, the more volume they have for other things, like goodness. So Mm -hmm. the smaller the horse is, usually the more evil they are.
3: I see. Mm. Which they have a issues
2: yeah 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 no I we had a bunch of miniature horses on the uh on the farm that I worked at and I think I was the only person who never got bitten by one of them because one of them was a really big biter um meanwhile we also had a bunch of uh Belgian draft horses which are also big big old heck and chonkers uh and they were like the sweetest horses in the world
3: yeah that's funny I also grew up around horses I didn't know I, that about you.
2: I love horses. I really do. Like I've never lived in a place where I could uh, like have horses um, or work with them for like extended periods of time, but I've taken lessons. I've worked with them for jobs. Like I, mm-hmm. they're, they're beautiful and dumb and smart and good and evil. And I just adore <laughs> them. Like horses are so beautiful. Yeah.
3: They are. They're gorgeous. They're like all muscle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, knowing that smaller horses are assholes now, I bet there's somebody out there who's got the dirt on little Sebastian from Parks and Rec. <laughs> oh my god, probably.
3: <laughs> you oh, know, I hope
0: so.
2: Who's to say? Because I just, uh, there's exceptions to every rule. You know, sometimes every once in a while you get a tiny horse who's just a total sweetheart, and you don't have to. You don't have to worry about it. And then, and I assume somewhere out there there exists a giant horse who's also a demon. I don't know. Mm-hmm, I've never mm-hmm. met one, but like. I'm sure it happens, uh, <laughs> but yeah, in my experience, the miniature horses are the ones who are a little bit spicier. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what uh, are either of you reading right now? Brittany, we'll start with you.
3: Oh, I what am I reading? Um, actually, I'm going to be reading Hallowed North, mm. um, which is, it was recently a Kickstarter Success um, by Jeremy Espinosa and Jay Sheik. Um, and it's, it's about uh, Jeremiah's and I think Jay's uh, experiences with, you know, mental health issues. And I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited to dive in. It's part one. It's um, of, I don't know how many actually, but it's, you know, single issue style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I'm going to read that um that's all that's on my list right now I read comics during the day <laughs> <laughs> for, for Marvel and so I, I read a lot of like old old stuff
2: um, okay. mm-hmm. um I have recently sat down and uh, gotten caught up on uh Lunar Room which is a oh. uh, new title oh, yeah. newish yeah. title out from Vault. uh uh danny lore is the writer and uh georgia Sposito, Sposito, georgia Sposito is the artist mm-hmm. um and uh that's been really fun so far i've i've super enjoyed it i'm only there's only two issues out so far i believe the third one is coming out this wednesday um but uh yeah danny's really cool uh mm-hmm. georgia's work is just awesome and uh so far it's been a real treat
0: yeah. We had, uh, we had Danny on, I think about right when Lunar Room was launching and they're, they're awesome.
2: They're so, they're so lovely. I really, I, I've always enjoyed talking to them.
0: So, uh, this has been a, uh, fantastic conversation. Uh, final question, uh, as we, as we are wrapping up here, how can people follow you online and support, uh, dead dreams and everything else that you're doing? All
2: right. Um, well, so if you want to follow what I'm up to online, um, the, best way to do it is on social media so uh you can find me at dalen ogden that's d-a-i-l-e-n o-g-d-e-n on twitter and then on instagram i am just at dalen dalen which is my first name twice no no spaces no dashes no nothing um that's uh just the easiest way I think to keep up with what I am up to right now. It's a little bit sparse. It's mostly pictures of my snake uh, because I'm keeping wolf under wraps while I work on it. Uh, (laughs) But in the future, there will be more art updates again. And I'm really hoping that this year is finally the time that I can start revisiting my original webcomic, The Liminal, which has been on hiatus since 2016. Um, So things to keep an eye out for.
3: I'm looking forward to that, The Liminal. Thank you.
2: The liminal was so, so fun for me to do and put out. And like, I miss working on it so much. I miss the characters. I miss having that be like a world, like a sandbox that I'm playing in all the time. Uh, But the downside to releasing the first chapter of the liminal is that it proved to everybody that I could make comics. And so I've been, I've spent the last (laughs) years since then just like making comics for other people, but I'm finally like ready to get back to it for myself, for my own stories.
3: Well, um, yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to that. It's it's wonderful. Thanks. Um, Yeah, I am online at Brittany Matter at both Twitter and Instagram. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And the best way to support Dead Dreams and or find Dead Dreams is on Zoop zoop Zoop.gg. And I think the the longer is you know slash C slash Dead Dreams. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's it's there i imagine
2: it's pretty easy to find on the front page yeah yeah it's really great about like highlighting their their creators and making sure everything is easy to easy to find tell them about your newsletter too
3: oh yeah Um, get people on it Good I job, know, I actually, I know they <laughs> so good at promoting me, and I'm terrible
2: at it. To be fair, <laughs> I had like a fair bit of practice doing this for Whiffle Wolf, too. So, like, I'm a huh. little bit, like, I'm a little bit seasoned at this nice. point. Nice.
3: I'm grateful to you. Um, my newsletter, A Matter of Fiction, is typically weekly, um, and I interview. Comic book creators of, about their process, and to get to know, you know, their their books, whether they're crowdfunded books or coming out with IDW or something. Um, I don't have anything scheduled this week, which is crazy because uh, I've been doing it since every week since like June of last year. Uh, but I figure I'm running a campaign, and maybe it's okay that I don't have anything <laughs> scheduled this week.
0: You can has break.
3: <laughs> I can has break. Thank you. I need that. Per- I need that permission. Honestly, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Well,
0: Brittany, Dalen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank,
3: thank you. you guys so much for having us. Yeah,
2: Thank this you. It was a blast. It was nice to talk people. Thanks for laughing at all my jokes.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQNA is part of comics XF where you can find this podcast, along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom, Chris's on Infinite Earths, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. Uh, P.S. Matt and Will, sorry I made you read White Knight again. You can listen to wmq a on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support wmq a at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shout-outs on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our new bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider Woman series, Cat Purcell from Comics XF, Liz Large from Comics XF, Will Nevin from Comics XF, and Asimov Fangirl, aka the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQA on Twitter at WMQ Comics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLass1013, and Comics XF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, the Forceworks character Century was apparently part of Combo Man. W, w and Q.A.